Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. I'm Christophe Malen. I'm your host. And uh, joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I am very good, my friend. No superlatives. Uh, no, su- no superlatives today, you know? You noticed? No, no. <laughs> just been giving me all those big intros. I think you've used them all up, mate. So, look, it's the end of the year. I think we've just got to start to tone it down, you know, and uh, relax a little bit. But I'm good. I'm good. Are you telling me that my vocabulary is limited? Is that what you're telling me, Mike? No, no. no? My vocabulary <laughs> is brilliant. So... Your Aussie-ockisms are even better, so it's true. continue on. It's true, it's true. Look, we have two uh, icons of our sport uh, with us today. Uh, we've got Carly Teller and Annette Edmondson. Uh, hi to you both, and we'll talk TDU today. Bonjour. Bonjour, on the Thanks for having us. I don't know about the icon part, though. <laughs> oh, that's, this is where I'm keeping my superlatives for, you know, not for Maca this week. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the TDU. It's coming up early part of, of next year. Carly, you've been uh, very much involved with it. What can we expect this year? Yeah, we're super excited to have the women um, opening the Santos Tour Down Under with their own weekend. Um, so having that on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we're really kind of expecting to see huge crowds for um, the women's starts and finishes um, and have a bit of a mixture amongst all the stages as well with a, a flat stage, a bit of an opportunistic stage, um, bringing the, the race to Sterling with those famous laps around there. And then... For the first time ever for the women having, and for in Tour Down Under history, having a, a stage start from the village and um, the women getting to finish up uh, Wollonga Hill for that final battle. And yeah, we're really going to find out who's going to win the race, I think, in that last couple of K on the women's front, which is going to be super exciting. And and the men's race too, bringing back Wollonga and having the biggest weekend um finish in history for the guys with not only bringing back Wollonga but um, having the Mount Lofty stage the day after is going to be a pretty testing final two days Um, and yeah I think just Dewey's done a great job in in the guys um, roots and and having that mix as well and um, yeah we're just really looking forward to getting to the exciting and fun part of seeing it all come to life. Um, Gee Nettie she's just stolen all of the um, the race route just laid it all out. <laughs> um, I tell you what, a lot of it excites me, um, and specifically about the women's event. We'll talk about, but um, you know, I've loved the event, and as you both know, I've worked on it for a number of years now, and it's it's a real sort of good buzz and good vibe. Um, Sterling, I love, but I didn't realise uh, you just said starting from the village, the final road stage. That is cool. How did that come about, and did you both? Was that an idea that you both came up with or was it a sort of collaboration with everyone that's involved? Yeah, so we um, we have a nice little combination uh, of race directors at the Tour Down Under. So Stewie's the, the head race director across both races and then Carly and I are the assistants to, to help out where we can. So our main focus is the women's race. So we did come up with a, a handful of ideas and then um, then we sat down with Stu and we, we kind of worked out what what area of, of the state we wanted to, to to utilize and then also we didn't want to double up too much with the men's stages as well so we wanted to create a nice a nice event to to show off the best things that Australia that Adelaide can offer so we've got incredible beaches incredible hills we've got incredible scenery and um yeah we've got some pretty amazing roads for our for our riders to race over so yeah we we well, we had a stage last year that started um, in this in the Adelaide CBD, so they the riders to headed off on the final stage, but it wasn't from the village. So, yeah, 
we decided that why not use the the village and the atmosphere in in the town on that Sunday morning. And um, yeah, we've got the the race starting. We we actually have a men's um, criterium that's the day before, and it has it uses a similar circuit. So we're going to use that same setup, and then yeah, hopefully we can get some big crowds in the city on that Sunday morning to to say goodbye to our our, our riders as they head off for that epic final stage. So we're very excited. And how important, yeah. actually, uh, I'll go back to you, Native. How important is the uh, on the on the racing calendar, the TDU, to have a woman's side of it? We talk a lot. We talked a lot about the the addition of the Tour de France and how much the Tour de France has made an impact in the in the whole calendar. The, the reverberation is going both ways. But uh, having the TDU at the very part as well is as important as as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we we're very ex- like very proud to be the first women's world tour event of the year. In Adelaide on our home soil but as you said to be able to have a standalone event just for the ladies is huge and last year we we joined the the two events together so there were a bit more of a standalone event um in previous editions and so last year as you know we were elevated to women's world tour status thanks to the support of the south australian government and um yeah it's to be able to like carly said earlier to have the the, the race again on its own weekend friday saturday and sunday it's it, where people are going to come for this event specifically. It's not like it's a, a wind-up for the men's. It's equal. It's got its own opportunity. And, yeah, to kick off that first Women's World Tour season in Adelaide is just awesome. It, it, it is awesome. And, um, Carly, I'll, what I have noticed as well is that this year, I think there's eight World Tour teams uh, so far that have been announced. Last year was 10, 9. 9. Maybe oh, 10. So. Well, that's awesome. Last year, it was a great event. Last year was, or this year, I should say, was a, was a fantastic event. But if I be really unbiased, it was probably light on on the World Tour team. So that's obviously been a huge a huge push from both of you and from, from everyone involved in the event to get more of the World Tour teams and I guess some, some um, bigger names and some of the big names of the women's peloton out. Yeah, I mean, this year we did struggle probably a little bit, especially, I guess, the first year coming like back from COVID um, and also having the World Championship so late in the year previously in Australia. And it is a big trip for everyone when um, that time difference and the fatigue of travelling um, and just the unknown when, you know, there hasn't been a uh, tour down under international version for a couple of years so I think we kind of felt that a little bit but also from our side and from the whole team from um, the South Australian Tourism Commission we're really trying to help improve what we can offer the women's teams and and helping them come um, here and um, yeah so I think from that side we had really pushed a lot and worked hard on that offer for for the teams coming over in 2024 which has helped and I think a lot of like also the teams that are coming here they're wanting to help grow the sport and help support it and they know that by them coming and and by us improving I guess that depth and the caliber of our whole peloton it's only going to help us grow the race even more in the future so um yeah we're really excited to kind of have I guess um like such a strong field and netty and like the whole team has really been helping so much on that and um yeah i think we're going to have some really exciting names coming over and um going to be some really aggressive racing well and i guess with that too this this would have obviously increased the workload of you two and and of your whole team with that 
you know, bringing all those teams out from the other side of the world. I know cycling teams and athletes are used to traveling on all four corners of the planet these days for a bike race, but it must be a massive operation for your team to to make sure they all get out here smoothly, safely, not to mention the excess baggage that um, <laughs> you've got to account for. Yeah, we're, we're lucky to be supported by Singapore Airlines as well. So we've been working back and forward with them, changing flights, get asking for certain requests. And so, yeah, it's a massive, massive engine and where we have a great team at the South Australian Tourism Commission. They work really, really hard. They cover all all departments. And I think as an athlete, when you're racing in the event, you don't actually understand just what goes behind an event like this. And so it's really nice to be on the other side and, and see what a team effort it is. And yeah, from from those who are building the village and, and organizing what goes where to uh, the media team, to those who organize flights, for, for riders like it's just it's so much work and um it's really really special when it all starts to come together in terms of the 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 caliber of the races that we're gonna have uh we're expecting several defending champions internationals can you can you give us a bit of a some of the, the people are coming who's come who's coming and who, who i should look uh, look for well we've announced a few riders but we can't we ha- aren't, haven't announced all of them yet so as as you know we've got the defending champion uh grace brown from SDJ, so she will be here with her team and we do know that she's going to be supported by some pretty strong team members so that's soon to be announced uh, and then she she went head-to-head last year in an epic finale with Amanda Spratt who will also be returning so she's a multiple winner of the, the overall so she will be hungry to, to change that up and she'll also be supported by some very strong Australian riders uh, and a couple of international teammates so that's going to be a, a big battle of, of those two teams. And then I think we've we've also announced that um, Audrey Cordon Rigaud is returning. She was here a few years ago before COVID, and she's now with uh, Human Powered Health. And in her team, we also know that she will be uh, racing alongside Ruth Edwards, who used to be called Ruth um, Winder, and she also won the overall. So there's a yeah a lot of strength and talent coming coming in and there's a lot of international riders this year as well which is yeah it's really really cool it is cool and uh, Ruth Winder she's well Edwards I should say um she's been one of my faves at two and under in the past and great writer so great to have her back and she was uh, just before we started recording Nettie you were saying she was doing some gravel racing gravel racing is it's just like the the place to be and you guys have now got a gravel race as well, courtesy or partly courtesy of um, your good friend Tiff Cromwell and her partner Valtteri Bottas. So two two pronged question here. Tell us about the gravel race and give us your thoughts on Valtteri's naked calendar. I, <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping you could mention this. I was hoping you would mention this one. <laughs> like what? The- I think that calendar everyone's talking about, and I think a lot of people want it, but um, it might just be weird if Tiff realizes that we have that calendar at home. Um, but yeah, from um, like having rattle gravel um, in Adelaide as part of the associated events for next year, I think um, when it came to how we were mixing up a little bit of our associated events in 2024, not having a challenge tour and what we could offer um, that was a little bit different that maybe was kind of speaking to what maybe 
you know, the crowd and what the cyclists are into at the moment. And we really thought that obviously gravel was really on the rise at the moment, not only in Australia, but like around the world and the work and the events that they've um, had overseas in different locations looked quite cool. And yeah, we both know Tiff and we thought like, well, having a local rider with that perspective and knowledge of some of the routes and it kind of just felt like as if it made a bit of sense. So yeah, we kind of started those conversations during the year and excited to be able to add that to one of our associated events and I think it's going to be really cool. And um, and like the course is, I'm definitely not good at anything that involves dirt or not a smooth service or a climb. But yeah, from the feedback that we received, it's been like a really awesome circuit and um They've sold out of their initial round of tickets and they're doing a shorter version as well. But yeah, we hope to just potentially just grow that and yeah, speak to a different audience and yeah, have some fun events that um, maybe we haven't tried before. And yeah, we'll see how it goes in in next year's. But I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a really cool, cool event. Yeah. And the calendar? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've ordered the calendar already. I thought I established that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we know. Besides, <laughs> Christoph hasn't got it hanging up behind. What how do you know? Did you get express posts? Or... <laughs> I love this, like the small, um, how they've been releasing like a couple of months at a time. Uh, <laughs> and really That's explaining. Really <laughs> oh, I, I know about the calendar. <laughs> I do think how they've been, uh, even their uh, their announcement of Rattle, Gra- uh, Rattle Gravel um, and how they did that announcement with Valtteri and Tiff is it's actually quite entertaining. So they uh, do a good job on their socials, that's for sure. Yeah, and then what's cool as well is, uh, and I've said it before, but uh, whenever it's around the race, Valtteri never wants to talk to the media because it's all about Tiff and her racing and it's not about him. So we tried several times and uh, the first few times you go, oh, come on, you could have said something. And then after that, you go, no, actually, that's quite cool. It's all about her and not about him. So uh, respect on him. They, they, they're fun just to follow on social media on their account. Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice. And even just like he sh- footage of him doing the, the bottles during in, during a tour, yeah. helping out the team. And yeah, it's, it's really nice to see that support. And they obviously, they have such a, a wild life and traveling the globe together. So to see them succeed on and off the bike and out of the car is yeah is really really cool yeah and he's growing uh he's growing the uh, aussie fashion uh haircut and so on uh, yeah i'm not sure about i'm not sure about the mullet you're just uh, jealous yeah. <laughs> is a mullet ever okay though <laughs> yeah that's that that uh, yeah it's i think that needs to be um you know put back in the 90s with the with the nude calendar um hey let's talk let's talk briefly because it, it always it, it excites me but someone who's been in the sport a long time, it excites me to see the growth of women's cycling. And Nettie, you also uh, manage athletes. Um, it's just exploding, the women's side. And as Christophe mentioned, the Tour de France, let's face it, that is the pinnacle for both men and women now and, and obviously fast becoming uh, for women. But I'm keen on both of your thoughts on just the progress and where your crystal balls see women cycling in the next you know five years or so yeah it's booming it's booming and it's really exciting as you say like i i delved into the the management world and even just in that area a couple of years ago when we started i'd say the first maybe top 30 on the uci rankings had a manager back then now 150 200 250 maybe have all got managers and it's really it's nice because it, it shows that 
yeah, that it's needed and that these athletes are now um, having somebody represent their, des- their desires and their, their wants and, and help, helping them understand what they're, what they're worth. And then also just adding a bit of a, a bit of a bridge between them and the team. And so they don't have to have any of these awkward conversations and then face up to their, their teams the next day. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's super exciting. There's more, there's more money coming in. There's more sponsorship. There's more media, which is great. Uh, the only thing we have to make sure is, is that we don't, it doesn't explode too quickly. So the, the women's world tour is doing really well. They've got, um, a nice minimum wage now. It was introduced a few years ago and it's building up. And in 2025, it's going to be equal to that of the men. Uh, but it's that group below the pro Conti group that is struggling a little bit. And we need to make sure that we have sponsors coming into that, that, that group that can help provide pathways from the junior ranks uh, into that world tour. Otherwise, the gap just gets too big because you you put all the, the support and funding and um, the services into the top top ta- top tier, and and that that um, standard just gets away from us. So, what was super exciting to see in the last couple of years as well is that a lot of the world tour teams are deciding to create development teams uh, that are associated. So. They have the same equipment, same same gear, same setup, and the, the idea is for athletes to to transition into that development team and then progress after a few years into the world tour teams. So we hope that there's a bit more sustainability in that, and that the the teams are going to survive a little bit longer. Because uh, in the past, there's been a few a, a few smaller, well, some big teams even, but smaller teams that would survive for a year, maybe two, and then and then um, disappear. So. Yeah, just being able to strengthen that bottom tier, have more more teams at races. Because if, if you have a development team, you're not allowed to send your world to a team to the same race, which means that, that that quality of those lower level races does go up as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's great to see, and it's great to see so much support behind the racing. But we just need to make sure that we do support that mid tier, and then also yeah, support the developing riders on the way through. And, and actually, I've got a follow up question on this one because Maka and I have been debating this. Uh, for a few pods about the the funding and you know cycling Australia funding and then the Olympics in a, in an Olympic year does that change the game in terms of how much the funding is geared toward more the track the Olympics uh, and so on even though there's there's less rider going to the on the road race for example this year but does that change the game in terms of uh, where do you get the funding for people that are not going to the Olympics and have different objectives. Yeah, I think this depends on the country. So in Australia, we are Olympic focused. So our federations, they put a lot of support into, say, the track, but and then a handful of road riders, a handful of, of mountain bike and BMX. So they are trying to, to spread it a little bit. There, It is a bit more heavy focused on the track because traditionally that's where the medals have come from. So it's a bit of a, a strange cycle. It's like if you put the money in and you get the results, then you get more funding for that specific group. So how do you create money for something that has been struggling in the past? So I know we've got a lot of amazing talent coming through the mountain bike, but BMX and um, yeah, road pathways. But yeah, trying to find that funding, it, it's really it's really difficult. So on the road, generally the the teams they're all for those who aren't super fans in cycling, they usually. Um, yeah, funded by uh, sponsors rather than countries, so that it's not it's not a major. It doesn't change from Olympic year to uh, a non-Olympic year, but yeah, for the for the nations, that's where it's um yeah, it's usually around a four-year basis, and it does ramp up a little bit. So, in the past, I think we've seen uh, recently that a lot of the funding has been taken away from some of the the younger developing groups, and I think that that's been a big focus for this next 
next cycle is to try and get that back in there. And I think that that's really important because you put all the money at the top and then you see these athletes retire and then what do we have left? So yeah, it's interesting. It, it is interesting. And Carly, for someone like yourself who your, your predominant, your focus was uh, road cycling and you were pro for a number of years. Um, what blew me away this year was that we had 12 Australian women at the Tour de France and before the start, we didn't know. And we had obviously Gracie Alvin, a former pro working with us. She wasn't sure. She said, oh, we might have five or six. And that was what we were thinking we we're going to hit the market. Then we got 12. So somehow we, 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 let's face it, we are struggling a little bit with those, those pathways, as you say, Nettie, but Carly, we still got 12 Aussie women at the start line of the Tour de France. So what's going on? Because we seem to be just producing these young sort of superstars and, and, you know, where are they coming from? And then I guess the future looks pretty damn good if we can get some more funding for them. Yeah, I mean, I think we've always had such a strong, like, depth in um, the sport, but probably, and, like, when I was coming through and, like, Nettie as well, it was the, like, the normal or um, pathway was like through the Australian Institute of Sport, you kind of get a bit of a gig overseas and um, and then you kind of like go into like a, a world tour team from there. But I think now because more Aussies are doing it and you kind of, they're talking about kind of their contacts or, um, you know, having people like Nettie who are now helping with like athlete management, then they're realising there's all these different avenues in getting overseas. And when there's more people over there too, it kind of helps kind of feel not as daunting. But I think I think now there's just like all of that depth that we did have and we've had for so many years is now like they're, they're setting themselves up over there and they're getting seen by those teams and, um getting those opportunities and um yeah I think it's I remember in the Giro um a couple of years ago like we might have you know three or four or five kind of Aussies there and you kind of try to stay around each other and now see that there's 12 starting the the biggest race on the women's world tour calendar it is awesome to see that and um yeah also making an impact in the race as well but I think it's just everything in how how much the sport has been improving and growing and kind of we're now just seeing that in like the number of Aussies being able to kind of I guess be pro because when it comes to minimum salaries and things like that actually being implemented it means that for like going overseas and moving your whole life over there is a big commitment for like this a female and any Aussie athlete so it makes it's more sustainable um and i think kind of that really helps as well yeah absolutely well we're towards the end of this podcast i've uh, never been in my life to adelaide so give me two reasons why i should go to adelaide any oh dear <laughs> oh. never so ever in my life like it's the only pretty much about australian city i haven't been to okay well number one tour down under <laughs> you've got to come come in january it's it's a, a, like a perfect time to come the race is brilliant. No, never, never too hot, never too cold. <laughs> we can get quite hot. That's that. Let's be real. But we have beautiful beaches to cool off in. We've got beautiful wineries to to cool down at. You know, up in the hills. The great thing about the Tour Down Under is if you are based in the city, at like the race starts and finishes, and no more than two hours drive from Adelaide. If you don't want to ride, so you can also ride. There's lots of amazing scenery. As I said before, you can head down south. You can make a big trip out of it. So. 
it's a perfect race to be based at and also you get up and close and personal with all the pros. There's the tour village. There's a lot going on. Carly's been a big, um, had, had a lot to do with that this year. She's taken over and, um, yeah, and then her, her, like the cycling background to create a bit more of a experience for cyclists who are attending the village, which is exciting. Um, that, so that's number one. <laughs> number one. What's number two, Carl's? Well, I was going to say my two pictures would be one, Adelaide and Tour Down Under in January is like schoolies for cyclists. That's how I reckon sell it. It is like the best (laughs) 10 days. Number two, you can get your Valtteri calendar signed. (laughs) Double sold. Double sold. (laughs) I love it. Um, Now I'll ask just both of you. And and this is a this is a tough one because they're all going to be good. I think my favourite stage that I'm looking forward to is Glenelg to Sterling. What about both of you? What what have you sort of what have you sort of dug your teeth into more? And what's what's going to be your favourite stage? I think everyone knows what my favourite stage is, but I think with stage three starting in the um, the tour village and incorporating both like that scenic shot up Windy Point. Um, that you get the view of Adelaide and then you get the Odinga shot along the coastline and then you get the epic finale up Wollonga. I think that whole combination of the stage in total kind of sums up Adelaide and um, the Tour Down Under so well that, yeah, that one's going to be my favourite for sure. I like the idea of, of Wollonga for just the ladies and ha- seeing like fans lining that road all the way, that, that hill climb all the way up to the top and, and getting amongst it just for women. I think that's going to be pretty special to see. But I'm also the same as you. I think stage two is going to be epic. It's just the cool thing about stage two is you just don't know what who's going who's gonna to come out on top. Is it going to be someone who's a bit more of a sprinter? Is it going to be a bit more of a climber depending on the way that it's raced? As you said before, we've got more women's world tour teams lining up. We've got more international teams coming in the in the Conti teams as well. So we the field's going to be stronger, which is going to make it harder. And and they're hard circuits. We saw it all explode last year. And uh, then I think Alex Manley won that a similar type stage. So it's um it's exciting and unpredictable. And also it does a couple, two and a half laps around Sterling. And I lived about a hundred meters away from the finish line, so I know it very very well. So it's very it's got a bit of a personal touch to me. And Sterling is just one of the most, oh, it's my favourite stage because it's one of the most beautiful little towns. It's like this beautiful little European village. And I mean, it is very sort of European in terms of its roots with Harndorf just down the road. It's just a magic sort of part of South Australia, isn't it? It certainly is. You've got the, the beautiful trees. If you come back in autumn, they, they're all different shades of, of colour. And yeah, it's it's nice and cooler up in the hills if it's hot down the sea. So it's a, a good excuse to come up and, and experience it. See see the race come through two and a half times, pop down to a, a local um, cafe for lunch. And yeah, that's actually what I used to do when I was a, a track rider and I wasn't able to, to race this race because it clashed with the world champs. Um, I would jo- I'd get my friends, we'd go to a little cafe called Patch and we'd sit there, have some lunch and just jump out, have a look, see it comes past, sit down, have some more food. So yeah, you can make a day of it, that's for sure. <laughs> Proper European. That's what it is. Seeing you in January, Christoph, right? Uh, I'll try. Um, you, you got me at the calendar. I'm done. I was done oh, from, yeah. the, from the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, be, he'll, be first, he'll be first in line to get it signed, actually. Absolutely. Perfect. I'll make a booking at Patch. Yeah, good. No problem. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to have you in the podcast. Thank you for uh, for all the good work you've been doing. And uh, we are certainly uh, looking forward to see you and see the race in uh, January. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having us. For having us. Thank you.